0: Welcome to the CIO Evolution. In this podcast, we'll explore the Chief Information Officer's role in executing a new ongoing leadership imperative, digital transformation that promotes agility and resilience. How do CIOs upgrade legacy networks? What are the financial challenges CIOs face? And what are the security measures that are required in the new work-from-anywhere mobile and cloud-based world?
1: Hello, I'm Christopher Jablonski, director of CXO Revolutionaries and Community. I am the guest host for this edition. Today I have with me here at Zenith Live 2022 in Las Vegas, David Kajigal, CXO Revolutionary and former CIO of the state of Wisconsin. We're gonna be talking about a very important topic, uh, seeing what is happening in the economy. And David, I'll start by asking you, what is your take on a question that's argued over passionately in cybersecurity and investment circles? Is cybersecurity recession-proof?
2: Chris, I think uh, we need to look at the history of these cycles. They go up, they go down. And I'm afraid that we're in a cycle headed downward. In the past, uh, when, when the market has gone from 33 to 36,000 in, in upward, upward uh, trajectory, even during COVID, which was surprising. Uh, we were feeling good. We were feeling uh, very good. But I think you would know that uh, some of these uh, markets are going down. Uh, I think the last time I looked, we're below 30,000. And uh, some are arguing whether a recession is pending or whether we're going to be able to pull out of this I'm an optimistic person initially, but uh, this is these uh, numbers aren't lining up, uh, at least to uh, my satisfaction. I think we're heading into a downturn, and I think we need to be cautious. So my message today is to the CIOs and the CISOs, uh, the guardians of the galaxy, so to speak, the guardians of our cybersecurity investments. And I think I just need to make sure they're aware that if this gets any deeper in terms of uh, the economics. <clears throat> We need, we need to clearly define the, where that line is of discretionary, non-discretionary spend. Uh, I believe, firmly believe, uh, to the core of my being, that we must continue to invest in cybersecurity. However, I've been in, in situations where uh, the leadership, the board, the CEOs, the CFOs, who are not as familiar with uh, the purpose of cybersecurity investment, uh, may just look at this as another expense item on, their, on the books. So I'm hoping that uh, we have the time to prepare them for a greater understanding and a greater mission uh, to continue to invest in cybersecurity.
1: Seeing how you have gone through a couple economic cycles uh, as it pertains to the budget and what you mentioned in terms of discretionary and non-discretionary spend, do you have any stories or experiences that you could share that really brings this point to light?
2: Yes, um I was uh, with a utility uh, in 2009, 2008-2009 uh, when uh, when mortgage rates uh, were uh, getting pretty bad and and the, the, this was it a CDO uh, financial instrument that the, the Wall Street had, had pushed back and forth and all of a sudden the market collapsed. So therefore all companies, uh, public uh, private sector uh, organizations had to tighten the belt and Personally, I was asked to uh, cut, cut software uh, solutions as opposed to the staff. Get, we'll get to that a little bit later. But on the software line item, I was asked to not pay my maintenance for software, and that is a scary proposition. It was also a defining moment for my relationships. For those companies that argue that I must pay, and if I didn't pay, I shouldn't call them, versus other companies who understood we were all in the same predicament uh, together so that if, uh, if we didn't pay today, that we might true up when financial conditions were better. So that was a defining moment in relationships for software maintenance uh, charges and expenses. Uh, that comes to mind, and uh, I'll never lose uh, th- that memory regarding decisions that, are, that may come to pass here in the future.
1: Well, hopefully <clears throat> executives today and in going into future, if we do get into an economic downturn, we'll have to face the same decision. But if purse strings do tighten, what do you see in terms of non-specialists, those who may not understand the technical details and strategies around uh, cybersecurity, for instance, the CFO, uh, becoming more involved in cybersecurity spending
2: decisions? CIOs and CISOs need to to. Uh, present a very vivid case, uh, illustrated as best as they can, and not only look at the cybersecurity investment, but the potential for cybersecurity loss. And that's usually not on the table, the loss side of this. And, I, and I've witnessed in the past that these losses uh, are addressed by a lot of cash and a lot of funds that weren't on the table before, but that becomes a non-discretionary spend to recover from an incident, a breach that really uh, harmed your company, your organization, your reputation, your assets, all of a sudden there's a lot of money on the table to remediate that and respond to that. So a CIO and a CISO needs to make that pretty obvious to the CFO and the CEO and the board that you rather not incur those losses, you rather not respond to those incidents if you have sufficient protection and sufficient investments in, uh, in not only the staff but also in the solutions.
1: We touched earlier upon, well, you take funding away from the headcount side or the technology side, but what would you anticipate being cut first you know, in this cycle if organizations are forced to rein in cybersecurity?
2: It's got to be on the software side or even the hard, hardware side. It's got to be on the non-staff uh, side. Uh, we, we are desperately in need of cyber professionals today uh, it would be detrimental to any organization to let a cyber professional go because by the time you had the funds to, come, uh, to bring somebody back, they're, they're not going to be there. Uh, so never, never lose your cybersecurity staff. Uh, they're rare. Uh, and, in fact, um, one of my big, bigger concerns is the fact that uh, we're wearing them out. We've got uh, a lot of stress, uh, 24 by 7. The job is not 9 to 5. Uh, And if you've got some uh, cybersecurity heroes on staff, uh, you can't afford to lose them. You'll never get them back if you you, uh, start cutting the staff side. So look aggressively to the hardware and the software side of your expenses related to cybersecurity.
1: So what if the pendulum actually swings in the opposite direction? CISOs and executives realize that this is a mission critical issue regardless of where the economy is headed and cybersecurity spending actually increases uh, during a recession for some. Do you see that as a plausible scenario, or do you think it's going to go the other way that we were just talking about?
2: Well, even even if it uh, dips a little bit deeper into losses, as I said earlier, uh, there are cycles. So if we go in the down cycle, right behind it is an up cycle, and there will be a surge. Uh, You'll have money. Uh, you'll have funds, you'll have the ability to invest in the future. And a word of caution here, uh, l- let's just put that to the side, uh, the, the down, downturn, and look at the upside. Uh, digital transformations, uh, modernizations, cloud-first strategies, a lot of excitement and euphoria that goes with those initiatives. People that are get pretty excited about doing that and they don't think about the cybersecurity defense foundations that are required. Uh, the ecosystems that are required, hardware, software, staff, and uh, they launch into the digital uh, transformations and they're gonna build that investment on a on a sand foundation, a very soft foundation. So I believe that uh, when, when the money comes back and the economy is, is ready for future investments, that we need to put cybersecurity up at the top of the list, address that, uh, understand firmly your legacy investments, And I know you can talk to the legacy because it's protected you thus far, but what you're going to be addressing in the future is pale in comparison to what you've been defending in the past. So if you're going to launch into some new projects, make sure you address the cybersecurity platform that that's going to run on, that it's going to sit on, and that it will be substantially fixed so that you don't need to worry about at least that element of the growth aspects. It
1: sounds like you can't actually over in cybersecurity and if that's the case how can you ever make a clear you know bottom line accurate number for exactly what you need because we're probably going to see some budgetary pressures and on top of that you'll you probably want to talk about what is at the bare minimum today that you need to still fund to
2: I think it starts with an understanding of your current architecture and going forward. And I'll use some simple examples here Uh, with uh, a Zscaler um, Zero Trust Exchange at the center of uh, everyone's solution, is my opinion. There are surrounding partners, for instance, Identity. You don't want to buy two Identity products. You don't want to buy two EDR products. You don't want to buy two reporting products. So you need to look at the architecture. I would be the last one to over invest or, or replicate uh, a service. Uh, so you need to be careful in the architecture. Understand uh, the importance of every piece being represented by a vendor. Zscaler doesn't do it all. Uh, they will tell you that they they need the collaboration of partners to be able to, uh, to build a, a cyber defense that will, will stand the time of ages here. And uh, as, as most of the partners, and Zscaler included, continue to evolve through their R&D practices and listening to the customers as to what's needed, uh, I think we go forward with uh, uh, a few uh, reputable partners and not replicate our investments in any one of those particular aspects of the architecture.
1: At ZNIF Live, we have seen some new announcements for ML and AI. Helping in areas like segmentation. So, more automation is on the horizon, and it seems like that can help alleviate some of the issues um, that pertain to the budget and headcount and the cybersecurity skills gap. Um, do you think that's going to be a lever that will assist greatly?
2: Yes, very much so. Uh, it can't happen soon enough. Uh, we need a, a lot of systems uh, assistance and systems to help us with. Uh, uh, these cyber, cyber threats and attacks. Uh, they're getting more sophisticated, they're getting more complex. And as I said earlier, our cyber professionals are, are being uh, worn out. So we need some uh, assistance on an automation side to be able to address uh, these attacks. Uh, the first one looks like the second one, like the third one, like the fourth one. You don't have to address these one-off. I, can, I think you can just bundle them up and set them to the side because you understand their intent. So that to the extent that we get AI and and uh, machine learning in as soon as we possibly can, I think our staffs will be uh, uh, living a, lo- a little bit longer in their service to uh, their organization and that we have a halfway decent chance of, of defending.
1: Now that we heard a- about machine-based assistance, what about regulatory assistance? Not long ago, the SEC mandated reporting rules for cybersecurity incidents. Will that Prioritize uh, cybersecurity spending in various ways.
2: Do you think? Uh, I I hope we and probably shouldn't admit this, but I would like to see more regulation in this uh, cybersecurity space. Uh, the the greater assistance that we can get from the federal government, the better off we will all be. Just remember, the Department of Homeland Security has defined sixteen sectors, and we're 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 doing the best we can to ensure that those sixteen sectors will. Uh, continue on with the life as we know it, the democracy that we're accustomed to, and the operations of both the public and the private sector working together. So I think you know, uh, Chris, that uh, uh, they, the White House issued a, a uh, executive order for the federal government agencies to move forward in a zero-trust approach uh, without designating anyone in particular, but I think we all understand uh, who we're going to look to for that regard. I think the the federal government is a model, and we should be following that model, and to the extent that they refine the regulations and they issue more, I think will help both the public and the private sector uh, build their cyber defenses for the future uh, attacks that we we know that we're going to incur.
1: Are there any opportunities for rationalization of the cybersecurity stack uh, when it comes to you know, point solutions, best of breed, and the platform approach?
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, there's room for, um, you know, I look at the cybersecurity architecture like a Venn diagram, and every partner has their circle, if you will. Uh, but they all overlap, and uh, will the competition for uh, business begin to erode a partner who's not keeping up with their R&D efforts, and not listening to the customers, and therefore another partner will extend themselves into that domain. Uh, I can see that rationalization occurring. This business is not for the faint of heart. This business is not for uh, underfunded organizations. This this business is just demanding a lot of R&D and, and visioning in terms of where is all this going? How sophisticated? and how complex and how much more of these attacks are there going to be. The geopolitical storms that we're experiencing now, these nation states who have dedicated staffs and organizations inventing these attacks, these zero-day attacks, uh, that's not going away. And in fact, it's it's getting much more complex. So therefore, every single partner needs to be investing in R&D, talking to the customers, understanding their domain of protection, and continue to partner with the Zscaler,
1: if you will. What guidance do you have for a CIO trying to navigate what the budget will look like for the next couple of years?
2: The CIOs and the CISOs have new responsibilities and need to create uh, new strategies. Uh, They need to be looking forward, and the geopolitical turmoil that's going on today is uh, a significant uh, uh, challenge for all of us. So no longer can the CIO and the CISO work in their organization at their desk and deal with their issues. They need to be looking at what this global economy consists of and who who will be the winners. Try to predict who will be the winners, who will be the losers. Uh, and the supply chain issues is a classic example, whether it's physical goods or whether it's a software supply chain, a CIO and a CISO needs to be aware of that. Where's all that going? Is, this, is Is life going to get simpler or is it going to get harder? I contend it's going to get harder and much more complex. So CIOs and CISOs are no longer fulfilling their old responsibilities. They need to be looking at a global economy. They need to be looking at global staffing and global attacks uh, at at the nth degree. Uh, These countries, whether they be China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, uh, these countries, nation states off our shores, will be affecting your business. And these zero day attacks are, are coming at us as, as fast as they can make them. So, I, my, my challenge to the CIOs and the CISOs is to, uh, to take off the blinders and look at the much broader perspectives and trying to anticipate where you're spending and where your strategies should be directed.
1: Any final thoughts for our audience?
2: I, uh, while I have, uh, I'm no longer actively working, I am continuing to be a CXO advisor for Zscaler. Uh, in, in the circles that I travel, the 50 state CIOs and some of the utilities in the private sector, I enjoy talking to them. Uh, I enjoy trying to uh, vividly paint the, the challenges, uh, a picture of the challenges that they have in front of them and uh, empathize with uh, what they need to be doing. Uh, I like to partner with them. I like to talk with them and like to help them out. Uh, their jobs uh, are no longer... Uh, an easy, an easy job. It's a, it's a very challenging, set of responsibilities.
1: Thank you, David. And thank you for your time today on the CIO Evolution. We appreciate your perspectives. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the CIO Evolution. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find more episodes along with other podcasts on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of the recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.